want to speak to you this this time from the gospel according to St. Matthew chapter 7 Matthew chapter 7 and I just want to read a few a few verses beginning from verse 21 where it says Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Let us pray. Lord, we, we give thee thanks for this wonderful privilege, this blessed opportunity to come before thy holy presence once again. Lord, we we know that thou art the eternal God, the ever-living God, the sovereign ruler of the universe. We are thankful for giving us this opportunity where we could put everything aside and to come to your house as a family, to lift up your name in worship and to listen to thy precious word. May you be with us this morning. May you bless us, Lord. May you give us humility in our hearts so that we would gladly accept thy word. O oh Lord, be merciful and encourage us and bless us all for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Now I want to, to speak to you on the subject, um, deluded believers. Deluded believers. You know, as you, you read the words of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ in this passage. You cannot help but see that it is possible, it is possible to have people in church who are not saved. The Lord said, I knew you not, or I never knew you. Just imagine that the Lord knows Millions and millions of people. Yeah? He has saved millions and millions of people. And God, the Lord is looking at you on the day of judgment. You who maybe came to church very often. You who were supposed to be a Christian. And he will say to you, yeah, I never knew you. I knew millions but not you. Now this is a stark warning which will do us good if we would take it seriously. Because I always tell my church when we, when we read the Bible the, the, this, is, this is the word of God and the word of God is for God's people. So before we can preach it we must apply it to our, our own hearts. Yeah? Just imagine God is looking, the Lord Jesus Christ is, is looking at people who are supposed to be Christians 
and he was going to say to them on that day, I never knew you. You know, sometimes we take for granted that we are accepted by God. Now, the true Christian, the true Christian is always troubled about his salvation, you know. Second Peter chapter 2 verse, verse 1, sorry, Second Peter chapter 1 verse 10 said, Wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. You know, diligence, be careful, be persistent, be on your guard. You must be sure. Yeah? And this is why I'm saying that the, the true Christian is always troubled about, about his salvation. Now the false believer is always confident. Always confident. And maybe you have been to, to witnessing and, and then you, you come across these kinds of people. You know, they are so confident. You know they're not saved by the way they speak because they don't have a testimony. But they are so confident that they are, they are Christians. But hear what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying here. Um, verses 21 and 22. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Some people, they will come to church because they have very little choice. Some will come to church on Sundays and that's it. They have very little concern for lost souls. They believe going to church on a Sunday morning and a smile is enough for God. Now I must tell you, there is a tremendous difference between a nominal Christian and a true Christian. And my question to you this morning is, yeah, are you a nominal Christian or are you a true Christian? Because there is a great difference between somebody who merely believes and somebody who is converted. The New Testament is full of warnings and also the Old Testament, there will be many, many worshippers that are not saved. My friends, the true church is an invisible entity and it is made up of true Christians. Only those people who have truly found the Lord. So is your name on the invisible list? Maybe you believe in God and you know that he is the creator, but maybe you have never come to him with true anxiety of soul. You know, the Old Testament is full of warnings about the Jews. They were a worshiping people, always in the synagogues. 
always in Jerusalem, always worshiping. Yet, the Bible said of them that most of the time they worship idols more than they worship the true God. Could you believe that? Most of the times they worship idols more than they worship the true God. They worship God and idols at the same time. Are you like that, my friends? Are you worshipping two things at the same time? Are you worshipping God and at the same time, are you worshipping the world? You know, in the New Testament, there was a party of people who claimed to be converted. And they joined the church, but they were not converted. We call them the Judaizers. They say it was grace and works. They thought God was very pleased with them, you know. And that's why they went everywhere and they were trying to encourage people yeah, to move away from, from, from the true faith because they thought that God was, was so pleased with them. Grace and works. In the same way, my friends, we have people who join Christian churches and they say, I have repented. Yeah. I have repented, I have believed, and yet the things that they do will prove that God is not ruling their lives. Wherefore, Matthew 7.20, wherefore by the fruits you shall, you shall know them. So if you say that you are a Christian and you are not, it is not unusual. As a matter of fact, let me tell you, you will be in tremendous company because there are so many people who claim to be Christians and yet they are not converted. But let me tell you something. It doesn't matter how big the number is. Yeah, You will still hear these words. I never knew you. Yeah, I never knew you. And what a tragedy to hear these words at the end of life's journey. Just think of yourself this morning. Just think about yourself being in the presence of God on the day of judgment. Is this what you expect to hear from him? Is this what you expect to hear? Maybe you expect to hear, come blessed of the Father. Come to receive the kingdom which was prepared for you from the foundation of the earth. But instead of hearing that, You'll be hearing, depart from me, I never knew you. You know, Hebrews chapter 6 speaks of, of people who seem to be converted. Sometimes, beloved, they have fallen away and yet they are still in the congregation. It speaks about they were, they were once enlightened. They were there, they, they, they received knowledge and someone, they can even speak about the Bible. Yeah, I know of a, a boy who was brought up in our church. This man could defend the doctrines of grace better than myself. He was brought up in the church from a little boy. Yeah? And if you hear this man defend the doctrines of grace, you'll never believe that he's not saved. Yeah? Because he was around. When we, when we studied the, the, the doctrines of grace for weeks upon weeks, he was there. Yeah? But he's not saved. He was, he's once enlightened. And we have people in the church like that. They have accumulated so much knowledge. They can talk about the gospel freely and so on. And he said that they tested the heavenly gift. 
But you know, that is a problem with them. They tasted it, but they never swallowed. Yeah? They never swallowed. In John chapter 6, we see people who followed God because of the miracles. But when he pressed them for spiritual life, they were not moved, you know. They were not moved. They didn't understand. So some people might say these words on the day of judgment. Behold, I thought, remember Naaman, when he went to Israel, you know, with, you know, high and mighty Naaman, 2 Kings chapter 5, you know, and when he went to Elijah, Elisha, Elisha told him, go to the, to the river, the Jordan River, and dip seven times. And he was furious, a man of his character, you know, such a mighty man, you know, maybe he was the commander of the Syrian army. And instead of Elisha coming out and touching the man, you know, he's telling the man, just go. He told his, his servant, just go and tell him to dip in the, in the Jordan River seven times. And said, behold, behold, I thought it would be, it would be different. He, and in a rage, you know, he, he turned back to go to, to, to his country. And his servants had to beg him, beg him to stay. So on the day of judgment, so many people will be saying these words, Behold, I thought. You understand? Behold, I thought. I thought belief was enough. I believe in God. Everywhere you pass today, it's in the I believe in God. So I thought belief was good enough. Some good works was enough. I paid my tithes and, and offering. I memorized scripture. I, I, behold, I thought these things were enough. I even served. I have a history of, of service in, 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 in the church. I didn't think God would mind my swerving this way or that way as I wanted. Behold, I thought I was not in danger. It may be, let me tell you something, it may be after this service. The Lord will never speak to your soul again if you reject him. You know that? It is possible after this service this morning that God will never speak to your heart again if you reject him. So if you will ever see your real need for conversion, you know, my friends, a nominal Christian has no deep concern about sin. You know that? Those Christians we have there by name only, they have no deep concern about sin. He has no deep concern about the authority of God in his or her life. That is a nominal Christian. You will tell a nominal Christian that the word of God says you should do this and you should do that, but he's not moved. He's not concerned. He doesn't react. You know, the nominal Christian has no real avenue of service for the Lord. The nominal Christian is preoccupied with earthly concerns, earthly entertainment, and earthly possessions. I know the church in St. Lucia, clean babies, sovereign grace and whatever. And one day the pastor got fed up of the ban, and he removed the ban. You know, all the young people left all the young people left, and guess where they went? After they were in a church that's supposed to be sovereign grace and they preached the five points of, of Calvinism and all these other things, you know where they went? Into charismatic churches. That's where the band was. Yeah? 
So this, they, they're not moved by, 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 by spiritual things at all. No concern. No real avenue for service. Always concerned about earthly things. Entertainment. Earthly possession. How much I can accumulate. How much I can get. Because some people, and it, it is coming into our churches now, that we think God is blessing us if we have a lot of things. A lot of material things. Now I spoke briefly this morning about that. I won't say anything much about it. But this is true, my friends. If you have a fancy car in St. Lucia, they'll tell you God is blessing you. <laughs> yeah? God is blessing you. So the nominal Christian has no pain over lost souls, you know. You know that? No pain, no concern. He'll do his things, but don't think he'll ever cry over, over, over lost souls. Maybe even his own children. His siblings, no pain. You know, you know a Christian how concerned you about 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 this thing. But a nominal Christian would share no pain, absolutely no concern over lost souls. And you won't say, why should he? His his own soul is lost. But if you are a nominal Christian, you can tell at this point alone. Have I ever had a deep concern? For lost souls. Now, I hope this challenged you this morning. Have I ever had a deep concern for lost souls? My friend, the nominal Christian will very seldom be found in the prayer meeting of the church, you know, although some of them would come. But very seldom they will find something else to do. And you'd be surprised sometimes they watch soap operas. Prayer meetings at 7 o'clock, the soap operas at 7 well, I can't come because I have to watch these things. My favorite television program, yeah? Prayer meeting when people come together to, to cry unto the Lord. You think that the Christian would crawl to go to, that, to, to the prayer meeting. But let me tell you, the nominal Christian, he will not make a fuss. Sometimes if he has nothing to do, he'll come. And the nominal Christians, when they come to church, they much prefer to be entertained, you know. I want a choir. I want a big, I want a large choir. I want, I want bands. I want the drums and, and then the guitars. And, and these are the things I want because I want to be entertained. I have somebody who's very close to my heart. He lives in Florida. And he goes to church every Sunday. But at least he's honest. You know what he told me? Tell me I go to church because of the music. That's what he told me. Every Sunday he goes, he takes his wife, he takes his daughter, they would go to church. Yeah? But he, he said to me, I go because of the music, and the music is lovely. That's the only reason. And when I talk to him, there is the, as we say, the, the lights are on, but there's nothing there. You know? <laughs> nothing, nothing there. But he goes to church every Sunday. But he said he's going for, for the music. A nominal Christian is not willing to suffer for Jesus Christ. He is not willing to suffer lost. I'm not going to suffer for Jesus Christ. A nominal Christian has no ongoing dependence on the cross of Christ. My friends, a nominal Christian never had the experience of what we call the new birth, you know. Yeah? 
This is the way you enter into the Christian life through the new birth. But a nominal Christian has no experience of the new birth. Once I heard a story of a man who claimed to be a Christian. You know why? Because he could trace his great-great-grandfather, he said, was a Christian. My great-grandfather, he said, was a Christian. My father is a Christian, so therefore I am a Christian. You see? And he, he, he believed that passionately. And he'll tell you the amount of time he goes to church and how many times, you know, and all these things. But he, no testimony, never experienced a new birth. But yet he believed that he is a Christian. You know, sometimes you'd hear testimonies and you would, you would not hear anything about guilt, about shame. And let me tell you, be careful when you call people to give testimonies. Be careful. Because I have, once I was caught in that trap, we had a meeting in Ansari, open a meeting, and we, we invited another church, and some people came, and we, we asked for testimonies. You know, I was young in, in, in I, I was young in the past, but I won't do that now. <laughs> yeah. But a lady came and gave a testimony, and instead of it being uplifting, it was so embarrassing. It was so embarrassing, but she was talking. She's supposed to say how she became a Christian, but she gave a, uh, she said she had a dream. She was in heaven, and there was a big white blanket, and there was something under the blanket. She wasn't sure what it was, and somebody said in the crowd and said, you know, Ansler is, is predominantly Roman Catholic. And the man said it was a Virgin Mary that was under the blanket. You know, and that was so embarrassing to all of us, you know. Calling somebody to give a testimony, somebody who had been in the faith before I, 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 I was a Christian, yeah, long before, and then that person did not have a testimony. They don't know. Nominal Christians. Yeah? Now I have said a lot about nominal Christians. But what, what about the true Christian? Let me just tell you a few things, my friends, about a true Christian. First of all, a true Christian is someone who can see through this world. Yeah? He can see through this world. You don't want your peace, your joy, your happiness, your satisfaction in this world. You see this world as a fallen world. You see this world as a doomed world. You see this world as a foolish world. And you are a part of it. But you see, all that mattered to you is coming to Christ. Because as far as you are concerned, it is a doomed and a rebellious society. So I must come to him and seek him and trust him. That is a true Christian. You can see through the world. Yeah? And I hope you can see through the world. You can see that it is a doomed world. And you can see that you can never get any lasting happiness from this world. You can never be satisfied with this world as a Christian. You can never get joy and peace from this world. So you know it's only in Christ. A true Christian beloved believes absolutely in what the word of God teaches that mankind is fallen from God's grace, yeah, 
we are all under condemnation, we will certainly go to everlasting hell except through Jesus Christ, what he did on Calvary in bearing away the punishment of my sin for those who come to him. That is a true Christian. You believe absolutely in what God, the word of God teaches. We are fallen from grace. There is no hope for us unless we come to Jesus Christ. Unless we turn to him, my friends. So a true Christian believes in a savior. A true Christian believes in his atoning death. What he did. Because of what he did. God showed mercy upon us. Not what I did or anybody else. It's what he did. This is what that satisfied divine justice. God was pleased with his son. God accepted the sacrifice. And on this basis, we are forgiven. Because we come to him as Christians. And we plead for, for mercy. And we ask him to save us. And if we are genuine, you know that he will save us. You know, a true Christian believes that salvation must be free. I cannot earn it. I cannot contribute to it. My friend, a true Christian believes in the need for conversion. Unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. We don't preach that today. You understand? We don't preach that today. A lady said to me some time ago, well, my daughter is 11 years, so it's time for her to be baptized. But I said, but is she a Christian? She said, no, she's not a Christian. I said, but she's not converted. She said, no, but that will come later. But she has to be baptized because she, she is 11. And you know, there are pastors who baptize these people. <laughs> you understand? There are pastors who baptize those kinds of people. Yeah? A true Christian believes after conversion, I must seek ever to increasingly be holy. I'm a Christian now. I have to live a separated life. I have to live a sanctified life away from this world. I am in this world, but I'm not of the world. The world is not going to dictate my life anymore. It once did, but not anymore. I have a new master. Christ is my master, and therefore I follow Christ, no matter what it costs me. But he is the one I, I will follow. I must please him with my life. A true Christian believes in yielding to the authority of God. That is what a true Christian sees and understands. My friends, what a price to pay. What a price to pay. To believe in God. And yet hear these words. I never knew you. Yeah. Depart from me. Ye that work iniquity. Only those who obey him are saved. Remember that. Only those who have a relationship with him. Only those who react Sorry, who interact with him. Only those who love him 
Only those who trust in what he did on Calvary. Only those that are true citizens of heaven. So are you a true citizen of heaven? It is not unreasonable to ask yourself that question. Am I a true citizen of heaven? Am I saved? All my life in the church, am I really saved? People call me brother or sister. My name is on the register. The church depends on me to do, to do certain things and I try to do it to the best of my ability, but am I saved? You know, a few, uh, an old Puritan said a few hundred years ago, a true Christian is one who knows what it is to learn, to burn, to spurn, and to reject. So a true Christian is one who has learned about the ugliness of his or her, or, or her life, learned about condemnation, learned about Christ, learned about Calvary, and he turns to the Lord. That is a true Christian. A true Christian has burned. That is, he has accepted guilt, been deeply ashamed of his sins, longed for cleansing, <clears throat> depends upon Jesus Christ. Lord, save me or I perish. There is nothing better for me, no greater need than my sins to be washed away. Oh Lord, I cannot run anymore. I am burnt. That is a true Christian. So a true Christian learns and burns, but a true Christian spurns. He spurns this, this whole life. Lord, I have part with it. That is a true Christian. I have part with this whole life. Lord, I want to be a different person. I want a new life. I spun everything I once believed in. Everything I once stood for. Everything I love. I leave the old life completely behind. That is a true Christian. No matter how the old life try to catch up with us, we leave it behind. We turn our back. And this is repentance. Repentance is to turn. We're living behind our old life. Like Joseph and Potiphar's wife latched onto him. He left his robe and he ran. That is the true Christian. And this is the way it ought to be with us, my friend. No matter where you are. I've got people who came to the States and then they were Christian in St. Russia, but then somehow in the States they're no longer walking with the Lord. And then when they come to St. Russia, they think, oh, that's a statesman. There are so many temptations and so forth. But you see, the problem is they were, not, they were never saved. <laughs> that is the problem. Because if you are saved, no matter where you are, you are going to serve the Lord. You are going to walk with the Lord. Yeah? You'll never look for peace and joy and happiness in this world, no matter where you are. Even though you, 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 you end up in prison, you'll still serve the Lord. Because you are, you are a true Christian. So a true Christian turns to the Lord and believes in him. And trusts in him. And depends upon him. Lord, there is no righteousness in me. That is the true Christian. 
no righteousness in me. I depend completely upon you. I trust in you and you alone, not in my ability, not in, not in what I have, but only on you. Save a fool and a sinner like me with a wasted life behind me and make me new or I am eternally lost. That is a true Christian. That is a true Christian, my friends. Come and visit my soul and bless me. That is a true Christian. And how much we can do in our church, how much you can do in this church, if you are really a true Christian and you have a desire for lost souls. We ought to, every Christian, we ought to. Some time ago, somebody brought the word to you. Yeah? And that's why you were saved. The gospel must be preached. That is the duty of the church. We go out there to preach the gospel. The power is in the word of God. And once you hear, at the point of time, when the gospel is preached, and it is the time for you to be saved, you will be. I wish I had time to tell you about my life. The way I run, the way to run, you know, away from the gospel. But the, the time came, it was on a Friday. It was on Friday, 1982, when I couldn't run anymore. <laughs> you know, and I went down on my knees and I, I prayed to God. Yeah, I got more crying. Crying that day. Yeah, 1982. And the Lord has kept me all these years. You understand? That's what he does. That's what he does. And this is why you, we ought to, to run to him. Bless me. Save my soul. Yeah? And serve him. And what a tragedy for you to live and to die a nominal Christian. Don't you think so? What a tragedy. All this time I'm in church. People call me brother and sister, invite me to their home and talk about me. And I was not saved. Yeah. What a tragedy for me. What a tragedy for me if I never preach the gospel to you. Or your pastor never preached the gospel to you. If I never tell you about these things. What a tragedy. So I must tell you. You know, there was a preacher in the 19th century. He looked at his congregation. And you know what he said to them? It was a Sunday morning. You know what he said to them? He said, half of you all are not saved. He was bold enough. And he believed that he knew his congregation well enough. And he said to them, half of you all are not saved. Now, I hope that's not true, I don't think that's true. Yeah? But he told his congregation, half of you all are not saved. That is while, while, while he was preaching the gospel on a Sunday morning. Half of you are not saved. So my friends, have you come to a place in your spiritual life where you know for certain that if you were to die today, you would go to heaven? Have you come to that place? Now don't leave, don't leave the church this morning before you answer that. Yet. Have you come to that place? Because that is a very serious question. 
Have you come to that place yeah, in your spiritual life where you know for certain that if you were to die today, you would go to heaven? Let us suppose that you, you die tonight and you stand before God and he were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven? Why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? What would you say? Are you truly saved? Let me tell you, eternity may very well depend on you asking yourself this question. May the Lord bless us all. Amen. Amen.